Since 2013, Bombas has donated over 100 million socks, underwear, and T-shirts to those facing homelessness. If we counted those on air, this ad would last over 1,157 days. But if we counted the time it takes to make a donation possible, it would take just a few clicks. Because every time you make a purchase, Bombas donates an item to someone who needs it. Go to bombas.com slash ACAST and use code ACAST for 20% off your first purchase. That's bombas.com slash ACAST, code ACAST. Planning for your next trip? Elevate your travel style with Quince. Quince has all the jet-setting essentials you'll want for your next getaway, like European linen, premium luggage options, buttery soft Italian leather bags, and so much more. And is all priced at 50 to 80% less than similar brands. Plus, Quince only works with factories that use safe and ethical manufacturing practices. Pack your bags with high-quality essentials you'll be wearing for vacations to come with Quince. Go to quince.com slash pack for free shipping and 365-day returns. Hiring for your small business? If you're not looking for professionals on LinkedIn, you're looking in the wrong place. That's like looking for your car keys in a fish tank. LinkedIn helps you hire professionals you can't find anywhere else, even those who aren't actively searching for a new job but might be open to the perfect role. In a given month, over 70% of LinkedIn users don't even visit other leading job sites. So start looking in the right place. With LinkedIn, you can hire professionals like a professional. Post your free job on linkedin.com slash people today. Welcome to the Horticulture Week podcast. I'm Rachel Forsyth, Senior Reporter at Hort Week, and this week I'm joined by Michael Buck, who is Head of Horticulture at Creepers Nursery. Thank you so much for joining us today. Thank you for having me. And you've recently been away, right? That's kind of been keeping you busy, some broad trips. Yes, yeah, so I got back from Amsterdam last night, actually. Oh. Um, we, we, we went out there to see our suppliers and discuss the upcoming season. Mm-hmm checking out stock and generally just catching up with uh, with some of our suppliers really amazing is it beautiful out there at the moment it's been amazing yeah um, <laughs> i think it was about 30 degrees which is a stark contrast to what i'm used to middle of the winter minus 10 <laughs> it's just been amazing yeah fantastic and we'll get on to kind of your the, a bit more of the business side in a little bit and what you kind of um how that all works but I thought I'd start off with Chelsea Flower Show because I know you guys supplied the plants for Hampton's Mediterranean Garden um I, I enjoyed some pasta on there over lunch it was delicious so that really sold sold me on the garden definitely um so what maybe to start off with what plants can be found in that garden to begin with what did you supply exactly so what we supplied were the structural shrubs and trees mm-hmm. um so from the tall compressor sempervirens the uh down to the punica granatum so the pomegranate the old mm-hmm. pomegranate that was in the corner um that was estimated to be between 80 and 100 years old Um, so these were serious um, specimens that we took some time to find Mm. Um, there was a there was an aca celawiana which is a fejoa Um, that was on the front left corner of the garden Mm. the slightly leaning gnarled shape and again that was that was around the same age so having these specimens as well as some of the smaller shrubs with the arbutus enabled the garden to feel slightly more enclosed making it a more intimate space and I think Filippo and Garden Club did a great job in in that and you could probably vouch for that having eaten your pasta (laughs) on the garden Um, but those were the trees that we we supplied and we had great fun doing so 
we went to Italy in January to find oh, this okay. stock. So going to Italy, as I mentioned, you know, normally it is so cold, but this was late January and we had about 15 degrees. So nice. Filippo and I had some lovely times walking around, discussing what was available, seeing what was available and drawing up a list that we, it was a wish list essentially. Mm. There were some Mertz communists that were, again, around the same age. They, this was a serious nursery that had some seriously old stock, yeah. which is an absolute pleasure to see because they have taken the time and, and care to, to bring these plants on. Obviously not from seed, but they find these plants, they then nurture them into the commercial start side of things yeah. to then be able to, for people like us to buy, which is, which is amazing. So, yeah, we had a great time on that garden. Um, the, as I'm sure all growers could vouch for this year, it's been a very cold spring. Although, yes. And although we were doing the trees for Filippo, punicas do tend to come out late naturally. So we were we were walking past it every day, talking to it, making sure, you know, come on, please work, you know. And sure enough, every like Chelsea always does, it comes together. Somehow. Somehow, mm -hmm. exactly. And it becomes, you know, the world's greatest flower show mm. every year. So was it just a case of literally waiting and crossing your fingers or is there anything else you did to kind of help? Uh, yeah, so we we did everything we could uh, with the means that we have. I mean, we don't have 14 metre tall uh, glass houses or anything mm. like that. So what we do is we, we create try to create a bit of a microclimate within the nursery. We put them in between buildings to, to create the warmth um, and a good feed um, mm. We use maxi crop. It's just a good general fertilizer that that really gets into the root system quick. Mm. And as soon as that started to move, we could see that you know the longer, the more times the sun was out, it just seemed to wake up more and more. Yeah. So, and yeah, by the end of uh, by by the time we delivered it and it was planted, it was uh, it was how it should be. Yeah, all came together in the end. Yeah. Yes, thank goodness. <laughs> so, it, what's like the main? Uh, attraction for a nursery to supply plants what are the benefits that you guys get from doing something like Chelsea I can say that there's no benefits health-wise I mean the, <laughs> the, the stress and uh, the strain of, of being involved in such a show mm. is is vast you mm. know it's um, it's a case of making sure across the weekends everything's watered you know it's it's not a, a Monday to Friday job no. so so there is there is that side of things to consider but in terms of what the nursery gets out of Chelsea is essentially the prestige of being involved yeah you know every nursery does it for that reason it's um it's the highest uh accolade to be involved with in my opinion um it's the world's greatest flower show and to be able to have the privilege to first be asked mm -hmm. to to be involved every year it's always a privilege um but you know, it's the it's everything that comes with it. You know, the the press, the the word of mouth, yeah. and that's important. I mean, people start. I, I mean, I've already had a few people come to me already for for twenty twenty four. Oh really? Yes. Uh, I can't disclose obviously. that obviously. Um, <laughs> oh, but, we need to uh, get out yeah, of here. <laughs> no, no. But um, yeah, the, the, so. The wheels are in motion for that as well, and mm. it's um, you know it, it's a never-ending story with Chelsea. Uh, we and I'm sure most nurseries say this, having and again having spoken to a few people post Chelsea, um, they say never again. <laughs> I'm firmly in that camp, but what we do see is 
the camaraderie and the industry coming together no yeah. matter how how much you do supply as a nursery whether it's you know five or six plants to a full contract grow mm. being involved in some way or another as a nursery is is great fun mm. so that I think is is part of it but like I say just to, to answer your question more directly it's the it's being noticed there yeah and people start to see what you're capable of because mm. if you can produce that time in time it you know it becomes people notice you mm. um and you know creepers have done work at Chelsea for a long time um it just so happens that obviously I, I've come in since October and I've taken over that side of things for, for creepers so yeah. yeah it's something that we'll continue to do and uh continue to enjoy that's the main thing specialize in uh, I wouldn't say we specialize in that necessarily yeah. it's, a, it's a big part of what we do okay um, so we tend to come out of Spain and Italy regularly mm. um, dependent on what our clients require depends on where we go um, and for our stock range we will start to go out and start to talk to our suppliers about what worked this year what we would like to see more of and really work in that relationship so i'd say that yeah there's a there's a heavy set of mediterranean mm. stock but it's not necessarily mediterranean plants like uh, shamarops um, or mm. you know the the yucca rostratas or anything like that it's just trees shrubs plants that are grown out there yeah which you know with the climate they can produce bigger plants quicker mm. so they really do hack things back i mean i say hack that's not fair they they <laughs> they prune hard yeah um because they've got the climate to be able to do so mm. so you know you get a fuller thicker plant that's okay quicker grown than something in germany or the netherlands but you know that that means that we have a price point to deliver to our clients yeah so things like Zyella are quite a concern for you guys if you're working in that world. Yes, we are very mindful of Zyella. Yeah. Um, we work incredibly closely with DEFRA. We have an open door policy. Um, we have DEFRA in once a week. Um, we are very much on board with them coming in whenever they want. Mm. Um, yes, we deal with olives. Um, we make sure, and this is part of my travel, I yeah. make sure that the plants that are coming from certain nurseries are pest-free, disease-free. They have in, um, processes in place to deal with P&D, mm. and that's our due diligence to make sure that we pass on the best quality plants to our clients at all times, whilst keeping everything safe. Yeah. Because ultimately, that's... We're, what xylella is bigger than the whole industry you know yeah. as soon as it comes into the uk there is big problems so we do everything that we can to to make sure we mitigate that at all costs mm. and importing plants have you had any difficulties around that any challenges um in terms of brexit the the issues that we've been seeing more regularly is the supply chain in terms of hauliers and okay. vehicles um delays inevitably happen yeah. ports you know phyto checks that type of thing it certainly changed the way that we do things mm. however i think it's for the best um it, it has added some costs 
to the the plants, but it, you know that's that's minimal for for what we're achieving mm-hmm. in the terms of our plant biosecurity. Um, so no, I wouldn't say that we've had any issues. It slowed things down slightly. I would yeah. say on average probably by about three or four days. Okay. We can't now like we used to ring up our suppliers and say there's a truck being loaded. Could you chuck on X amount of plants? They put it on. It's all plant passported as we were in the EU. That can't happen now. Yeah. There's a bit more planning, but that planning is fine because we pass that down the line to our clients. So the clients have to plan a bit more and it's just the communication chain. Yeah, yeah. And speaking about how the business works, I'm interested to find out a bit more kind of who your main client base, who are you working with? Is it garden designers and, and landscapers or...? Yes, guard designers, landscape architects, mm. um, you know, all shapes, all sizes of businesses. Um, we do a lot with um, developers. Okay. So we deal a lot with those guys. Um, we also have our own installation team. So our installation team will go out, plant for private clients, or they will plant for designers, whoever wants our services, we will do that. Mm. Um, but essentially that's it. And, and the way that we work as a business is designers will come to us with a list. We will essentially supply that list in full. Okay. Now we have those conversations. If plants are not available, we offer substitutes, you know, the usual thing. Mm-hmm. Um, but essentially that's, that's what we do. Um, mm. And it's, I mean, it's great fun. <laughs> you, you see so many new weird and wonderful plants on lists that challenge us for supply and yeah. things like that. Sometimes, sadly, you can't find them. But, mm. you know, where we can, we, we deliver that, that process for them. Yeah. Are there any plants that are rising in popularity that you've noticed? Or alternatively, anything that used to be really popular and has just kind of died, died very, out a bit? That's a very good question. I mean, I see the things like Melica autismo alba, mm. the melic grass it's very difficult to propagate and germinate from seed, um, which obviously drives up demand. Mm. um, And probably more so uh, recently when I've seen over the years, probably through the end of COVID, where plants have become scarce because no one was spending money going abroad everyone invested in in their their own bubble because they were staying at home and things like that so plants became very difficult to to come by because the supply couldn't keep up so i'm seeing that certainly through supply recently Mm. um since since you know probably the back end of last year that's been the case but the usuals are always there salvia caradonna haconocloa macra you know, we we've approached the business in a in a slightly different way this this time where we've really looked into our top two hundred plants. Oh, okay. And really just tried to get our head around why that might be and you know, so we can basically secure the supply chain for that. Um but yeah, I mean Digitalis purpurea alba, for example, mm. very popular plant, been quite difficult to find this year. Oh, okay. So there's been there's been that to, to consider too. Yeah, do you know why that's been hard to find? To be honest with you, I don't. Mm, um it's normally been quite an easy plant to find. Mm. It's generally a you know, a very standard plant to grow. I'm not too sure why. And mm. that's across the board on certain things too. Euphorbia uh, robbii again is yeah. another one that i'm seeing steep tenuissima is another one that 
we could not find for love nor money for, for a long time. We have instructed one of our very close suppliers to grow a thousand for us because we need to control that supply chain yeah. for our clients because they're always asking for it. Yeah. So it's been a very interesting year mm. in that respect. Yeah, weird. And in that top 200 plants, are there any kind of trends that you see as to why things are popular? Um, there's a lot of spring flowering plants. Okay. I feel like that trend could be because we come out of winter and we're we're all very excited for the longer daylight hours and the warmer yeah. weather so people start turning to their gardens naturally mm-hmm. so i think that's probably where that comes from mm. um but things like lavender rosemary you know the really hard working plants that are great for most gardens to yeah. be honest with you are just always popular, um, which is, and I love lavender. Timeless. Yeah, Yeah. exactly, exactly that. I agree. So we are, of course, facing um, the peat ban for professional growers by the end of 2026. How is that going to affect creepers and what kind of work are you doing to, to that end? We are working very hard and very closely with our main suppliers, Mm. uh, first and foremost. So we have partnered with a a friend of ours that has probably spent tens of thousands of euros trialling peat-free compost. He's now created or found a solution that he's now growing for us and himself, peat-free plants. Now... We have probably secured, I would say, around 100,000 pots of peat-free compost mm-hmm. uh, with, with different plants across the top 200. Yeah. Um, and that's the first and foremost challenge. Make sure that we have that supply now. Yeah. The plan is, is across our new forest site, mm-hmm. where all our herbaceous is kept and grown, we are probably operating at about 20% peat-free at the moment. Okay. We are pushing hard to bring that number rapidly up yeah. with the view that we we basically replace in time the entire stock range with peat-free. Now, we won't rely on the supply chain too hard. We will obviously yeah. take that in-house too. But it's a start. Mm-hmm. And with that start means that we can build that foundation and push that into our other avenues of supply. So mm-hmm. whilst I was out in the Netherlands this week, I had a meeting with a supplier who is looking to put peat free into all his containerized stock. So that's from 20 litres up to 280 litre plants, okay. shrubs, trees, mm-hmm. you know, that type of thing. That's important to us as well. They're probably our biggest supply for that size of of stock. So we are heavily invested with them too. Off the back of that, I've got a meeting set up with the supply chain of peat-free compost. Because it's coming in, it's brand new, essentially it's brand new, I'm seeing difficulties within the the peat-free range. Mm -hmm. It doesn't hold water as, as good as peat. Now, that means that we have to water more, which means more water is being used, which means we then have to make sure that our our harvest of water is as strong as it can be. Mm -hmm. So we recycle water because water is becoming a commodity that is so expensive. So we have that 
with those changes, we have to watch this too. Mm. So what I need to understand, and, and that's what we're working towards, is how can we grow better with your peat free compost what do they see the issues being Mm -hmm. there will be issues whether or not that's a supply from their suppliers to create the peat free compost with Mm -hmm. all the raw materials that are coming in is that supply chain going to hold up Mm -hmm. with such a with such a change so quickly three years is not a long time and with those changes there will be high pressures within the industry to to keep up so we're all in the same boat um, across the board in the UK no matter how big or small you are as a a growing nursery Mm -hmm. it's going to cause a few issues so we are doing everything that we can internally to make sure that we are trying to keep ahead of the curve Mm -hmm. or certainly keep up with the curve Um, so those meetings and um, those discussions with people that have got experience with growing peat-free yeah. will continue almost on a weekly basis. Mm. Um, and certainly from our internal experience where we're absorbing more and more peat-free stock in the new forest, we are constantly learning and adapting and understanding how certain things react in certain ways. Yeah. So it's an eye-opener and it's a massive learning curve, um, but it's something that we're embracing hard and it's something that, you know out of every problem there's an opportunity so Mm -hmm. we are we are going in that direction um and at the end of the day we all have to do it so let's embrace it and and kick on hard yeah do you think it will affect sales i don't think it will affect sales Mm. i think that i i am this is only me thinking at the moment there's no evidence to back this up but i think that there might be a slight cost increase Um, in herbaceous and and plants in general Um, personally I don't see that being a bad thing for nurseries anyway Mm. Um, however you know like with Brexit it was absorbed with the phytosanitary certificates etc etc those costs get passed on to clients anyway there's been you know and we're as busy as ever so I don't see that being an issue um, my issue will be is if the stock does not perform and yeah. we don't provide the best stock possible mm. because that's not what we want to do. Mm. So that it's going to be a huge learning curve, like I say, yeah. but it's, you know, it's something that we're embracing. So mm. let's see how we get on. And that work you're doing in the New Forest, what have you learned from that so far? What are the biggest takings you've discovered? Yeah, I think the biggest one so far is the water. Yeah. The retention of water. Um you walk around the New Forest. So I go down to the New Forest generally on a weekly basis. Mm. Uh, it's beautiful down there, it's of gorgeous, course, as well. Yeah. Um, so we're very lucky in that respect. But having five acres down there means that we can, um, yeah, we we can, you know, understand what this stock does, like we were saying. But I definitely think that the water absorption is something that I've noticed yeah. now I've not really noticed a difference in the vigor of plants growing okay. which is important yeah um, it means that we can still keep up with normal supply I I have seen certain things that said though I have seen certain things where something's not quite been right or something's failed but again after investigation I think that could be a water issue okay. where our irrigation is designed for peat yeah we we put it on for a certain amount of time it gives a certain amount of volume 
that's been all, all worked out and calculated for peat. Now we're adding peat free into the mix. Are we overwatering certain things, underwatering? So we're working constantly with the team in the new forest to make sure that we are learning always, but yeah. coming with, coming up with a solution. Yeah. So you're head of horticulture at Creepers, obviously. What was your journey into the industry like there? Were you always in this realm or how did you hear about it? It's a good question. I mean, I, I certainly speak to some people about it and they don't understand how I got from where I was to where I am now. Oh, really? <laughs> so I'll take you back to pro- probably when I was about four years old. I always had a football at my feet. Always. And I was always in the garden. My mother was a keen gardener. Mm-hmm. Um, I think she'll be self-confessed that she didn't really know what she was doing, but she was... <laughs> Just give me a good go. She was, and she loved it. Um, I didn't help the situation by destroying the plants <laughs> every time I played football with my dad in the garden. Um, but I was always outside. Fast forward to the age of 15, I started to become a semi-professional footballer. Oh, so wow. I, was, I was paid to play at the age of 15, which beat any newspaper round ever. <laughs> it was amazing. It was great yeah. fun, very privileged. Um, and and my parents took me all over the country playing football. Wow. And then I started to want to be a bit more independent. So I got to the age of 17, wanted to drive, needed a job. So I still was very much focused on being a professional footballer. Yeah. And I, I needed something that was flexible. So I actually found uh, a job as a landscape gardener. Okay. I was a, I was a labourer. Mm. So what I found out very quickly was that all hard landscapers, and I'm sorry to put you all in the same bucket here, <laughs> um, but it felt like all hard landscapers um, didn't really care too much about the plants. They wanted to create the beautiful patios, the brick walls, whatever, the outbuildings. Mm. But the plants were always left at the end. And I saw an opportunity there to actually take control of something. And the plants, I found, very quickly softened the landscape. They created interest very quickly. And whether it was colour, whether, it again, it was, you know, uh, a plant to shade a certain area or or whatever the case may have been. So I took that on very quickly and got made redundant from that. And then I became um, a nurseryman. Um, The chairman of the football club I was playing for at the time, Bracknell Town, he owned a nursery where a very well-known nursery still stands. What nursery is that? That's Hortus Loci. Ah. Yeah, so Hortus um, bought the site. I had left Whitewater Nursery um, to go into maintenance because I wanted to create a bit more of a rounded understanding of my industry. Yeah. So I went from building gardens to growing plants to maintaining. um, And Hortus then came in, bought the place, created what they had... Um, and then I ended up going back and working for Waters on the same site. So that was really my um, uh, journey. And it wasn't until I was about 20, after three failed attempts at some pro, pro clubs, I... that I realised that um, I needed a, a solid plan B. Um, you un- you know, it comes to a stage where you ha- hold your hands up, yeah. you've given it everything, it doesn't work out. Mm. You need to be very lucky to be a professional footballer with a lot of talent, of course. Yeah. Um, so I then really started to focus on this industry. And from the age of 20, I'm now 35. I have 
had the best time. I've, I've been involved with a lot of privileged uh, projects, you know, Singapore. Um, I've been to the Arctic Circle in Sweden. Mm. And, you know, it's it's been insane. Mm. Um, but, you know, I'm very lucky. Worked out for the best then, though. Absolutely. <laughs> and, you know, I don't regret any of it. And, you know, I'm now in a position with Creepers that they've provided me with, a, with an opportunity where I can, pardon the pun, grow mm. and... You know, they have ambition and I have ambition. And we, Rob and I hit it off, I felt, very quickly when when we first met. And I bought into what Creepers are trying to achieve very quickly. And I brought in my own ideas. And we haven't looked back since. What's your experience been of the skills shortage, maybe at the different places you've been through and kind of as you've grown up in this world challenging yeah um to say the least i mean whenever you try and and employ someone certainly for the outside work where you are outside weeding or pruning or moving plants in the depths of the winter yeah no one seems to want to get out there and endure that mm. What I find very difficult with the skill shortage is getting people to want to be outside. Right, okay. You can't teach that. Mm. We can teach everything else. And unless those individuals have that drive to want to be outside in the the cold, in the rain, it's very difficult to, Mm. to motivate someone if they don't already have that. So I know that it's not just a skill shortage in the UK. I talk to suppliers across Germany, uh, the Netherlands, Belgium, Spain, Italy. Okay. They all have the native workers all are the same. Right. It's the, the, the amazing talent that we get in from, from for example, uh, I've worked with a lot of Polish, a lot of Romanian guys. They're amazing. Mm. And they, you know, they, they want to do it. They want to be there. They work really hard. Um, what we want, yeah, certainly at Creepers, is to create an environment where we we encourage more and more people. Mm. And whether or not that's open days where, you know, it's a work experience or it's a, a class or a workshop, however it is to, to get people to understand that our industry is amazing and fulfilling yeah. is, I think, the trick. But unless that gets more involved, in my opinion, with the curriculum and starting off a lot earlier, I don't think we're going to have much of a a, a shout in in making this skill gap shorter. Mm. Now, I've got a niece, Phoebe, she's six, and she, she, the other day, she knew I was going around to her house. She got her her daddy to to get some seeds and some compost. So she's interested yeah. because her uncle's interested in mm-hmm. what, she, what what I do. I want that to be more and more. You know, not just her, but I want schools to be able to go, we're going to germinate cress. Yeah. Or, and the fact that you see something from nothing grow into something is how I got hooked. Um, you know, one of my earliest memories was looking over my neighbour's fence, seeing a veg patch when I was living in Chelmsford. And seeing that, and you hone in on these things like, wow, yeah. what is that? Yeah. You know, and that, 
that's the excitement that should be coming into it. And don't get me wrong, you know, we all have bad days within this industry. I'm not saying it's, you know, <laughs> all rainbows and butterflies. Yeah. yeah, exactly. But it's a very fulfilling world. And it's something that I'm so passionate about that, you know, the skill shortage gap needs to close. Mm. Um, and it's very obvious with, I had, an, I, actually, I had an email from a supplier in Belgium saying, we're closing down. My children do not want to take over the business. Oh, really? All the stock's available. Oh. We're selling the whole nursery. And then he put in brackets, not the glass houses. So he'll probably rent those out to another supplier or something like that. But that is not uncommon. Right. And it's a real issue. Um, And to the point that you make about there being a skill shortage, the reason that we've outsourced our growing is because we don't want to put more strain on the amazing teams that we already have across the three sites that we currently operate from Mm. with additional work. So we very much manage that workload internally. We outsource the the propagation, the the growing, to a point where plants almost come over complete. And that's not just coming in from Europe, but that's from other UK nurseries too. But we, we understand there's a skill shortage, so we, we have to manage that. Mm. Um, and, you know, with the plants coming over from, from Europe, if they're grown indoors, and I call indoors plastic or glass, for two weeks, the DEFRA definition is they become UK grown. Four weeks outside. So we are trying our very best to make sure that we are as sufficient in the UK as possible. Mm. With that in mind, Um but we are very mindful of that. We, we, we don't want to overstretch ourselves because then we start compromising our quality yeah. for our clients. Mm. That's not good for anyone. Mm. So it is a big issue. Um, and it's an experience that I've had for many years. And I look at all my friends as well. You know, they, I'm the only horticulturalist that I know of in, in my big group of friends. Yeah. You know, and... <laughs> They, they're all and they're, they're very successful in all what they do which is great um, but it is funny they're starting to look at their gardens more and more mm. and they start asking me more and more advice I probably should start charging them um, <laughs> or at least dinner um, but um, yeah so the the people that are coming up through the educational um, backgrounds and things like that it's it's becoming a problem because they don't want to go outside yeah yeah I think primary schools can often be the best at getting the kids out interacting with nature potentially visiting gardens and stuff but we just completely lose it once you get to that high school level um so yeah there definitely needs to be kind of a change there yeah and to and to your point i mean i talked to i was speaking to the supplier that i was out with uh, yesterday and their children learn english from the age of five they're very fluent in english they are superb at yeah. languages why can't that be the same in the UK? Why can't we offer the the horticultural basics? Uh, telling children, this is where carrots come from, for example. Yeah. It's not just off a shelf in, in a supermarket. Yeah. You can pull it out the ground. Yeah. And at that young age where they're so impressionable and they can pick up things so quickly, mm. why can't we start there? Yeah. That's, it seems like a no-brainer to all of us. Yeah. Um, 
Yeah, I know that there was a session um, that members of our industry went to um, in the House of Lords recently, and they're really trying to push to have it in the curriculum because it really does work for every subject. You know, it fits in to literally every single one. So, um, but whether that will be changed or not, we can only hope, I suppose. Yeah, fingers crossed yeah. and do everything we can to push that and make it, you know, visible for everyone. Yes, yeah, absolutely. So you spoke um, about growth and yourself and Creepers wanting to keep growing. So what does the future look like for Creepers? What are kind of the main things on your agenda? Peat free. Yep. <laughs> um, and just uh, securing our supply chain first and foremost. Yeah. Um, like I touched on earlier, there is shortages within the industry, I believe, that within our supply chains that can be bridged mm-hmm. and working quickly and with suppliers to acknowledge those gaps is the short-term lead for us. Yeah. In terms of the mid to long range, um, we're certainly looking towards sort of a, a centre of excellence um, type scenario mm. and certainly coming from the football background where uh, children go to academies of pro clubs like Brentford, Arsenal, Chelsea, the kids go there to learn and to be within that environment. Yeah. I would love, and we're working towards that within Creepers to be able to, first and foremost, make sure that our horticultural standards are the highest that they can be at all times. Mm -hmm. That comes along with plant healthy and everything else that we're working towards. Um, And to be honest with you, those standards should be the basics anyway. Yeah. Then what we want to do touching on the skill shortage is bridge that gap we want to bring in people that may not have ever considered horticulture or may not have you know considered horticulture at a younger age but they're coming in because they're they're fed up with their career at the moment and they want to they want to change their skill set they might be amateur gardeners that want more of an input in growing you know so it's really tapping into that area um eventually where we can go um and you know it's exciting where we where we're going with that and something that i'm very passionate about so yeah i think that going forward they they are the two main sorts of uh pressing points within in what we're trying to achieve um and other things internally where we can improve our sales and you know those types of things where we can automate certain things yeah makes us more efficient you know and it's that type of thing making us more efficient for our clients is paramount because Mm. we want to be able to minimize the lag between confirming orders to delivery Mm. now though that lag might be uh on purpose because someone might need that time scale but again if some you know people are very busy People are time starved, so they they need things quickly, and that's what we try to do yeah. within reason, of course, without pro- over promising. So and just fine tuning things, and I think again, just touching on my football background, I think it was about twenty years ago I heard a saying from a very influential coach of mine that only control the controllables, mm. but when you can control the controllables, improve it by at least one percent. Yeah. So we are always looking at how we can tweak things, how we can improve things by that 1%. That 1% could save 
one minute a day on a certain process. If you do that process 60 times a day, you've saved an hour. Yeah. So it's that type of efficiency that we are looking to fine tune. So yeah, in a nutshell, that's what we're looking to achieve mid to long term as well. And it's going to be an exciting journey, it always is. Yeah. And, um, you know, there'll be things that crop up that we need to adjust to. And, you know, if any other legislations come out from DEFRA and things like that, we, you know, I touched upon, we have an open door policy with them. Yeah. And we will sit down with them and we will go through certain things with them. It's mm. just a case of trying to evolve always and not standing still, always moving forward. Yeah. yeah. Well, best of luck with everything. Thank you. My last question for you is one we always ask our guests and we get a huge range of answers. So I'm interested to see yours. Um, and that is, what plant would you take to a desert island? It does not have to survive on the desert island. It's can Desert island is style kind of favourite plant. Okay, so I've got two, two answers for this, okay. if I may. Yeah. First one is a bamboo. So I can get and build nice. a raft and get off your ah, um, That's the practical one. mind. Um, <laughs> but the the I think my favourite plant would have to be peony. Yeah. I think that no matter what level of gardener you might be, you have to have peony in your garden. They're easier to look after than roses. Mm-hmm. Okay, they don't have the scent necessarily, but they provide so much joy. Mm. Um, and I would have peonies every day of the week they're an absolutely beautiful they are plant. they really are well thank you so much for coming on the podcast it's been an absolute pleasure to get to know you and the business a bit more and everything you guys are doing so huge thank you thank you for having me i'm rachel Forsyth, and this has been the horticulture week podcast make sure you never miss one subscribe or follow horticulture week podcast via apple Podcasts, spotify google Podcasts, or your preferred podcast platform if you are interested in producing a podcast with horticulture week email us at hortweek at haymarket.com huge thank you again michael and goodbye for now Hey, it's Paige DeSorbo from Giggly Squad. High quality fashion without the price tag. Say hello to Quince. I'm snagging high-end essentials like cozy cashmere sweaters, sleek leather jackets, fine jewelry, and so much more. With Quince being 50 to 80% less than similar brands. And they partner with factories that prioritize safe, ethical, and responsible manufacturing. I love that. Luxury quality within reach. Go to quince.com slash style to get free shipping and 365 day returns on your next order. Quince.com slash style. Even when we're on a budget, we still deserve nice things. Quince is a place to scoop up stunning high-end goods for 50 to 80% less than similar brands. They have buttery soft cashmere sweater starting at $50, luxurious Italian leather bags, and so much more. Plus, Quince only works with factories that use safe, ethical, and responsible manufacturing. Get the high-end goods you'll love without the high price tag with Quince. Go to quince.com style for free shipping and 365-day returns. Need new glasses or want a fresh new style? Warby Parker has you covered. Glasses start at just 95 bucks, including anti-reflective, scratch-resistant prescription lenses that block 100% of UV rays. Every frame's designed in-house, with a huge selection of styles for every face shape. And with Warby Parker's free home try-on program, you can order five pairs to try at home for free. Shipping is free both ways, too. 
Go to warbyparker.com slash covered to try five pairs of frames at home for free. Warbyparker.com slash covered.